one of those always, for me anyway, one of those sobering songs of Christmas. It, it kind of, it, it brings it down to this sort of gentle place, uh, this place of, of introspection, time of thinking and sharing, and uh, just a beautiful thing. Would you pray with me as we begin? Heavenly Father, we open our hearts and our minds to hear from you this morning. We ask God that in your wisdom, you would teach us something new and exciting. Walk with us today. Reveal yourself in every way that we need to hear you. Word and Jesus' name, amen. Maybe this will give us a little more consistency. Let's give it a try. <laughs> Let me ask you a question this morning as we get started. What's going on in here? What, what's happening in here right now? In your heart? What are you feeling? Are you anxious? Are you stressed? Are you burdened? Maybe you're angry. Are you angry? What are you concerned about? Are you thinking about finances or relationships or grief or loss? Things going on around us in the world right now that seem so stressful? Is that what's on your mind? Peace is something that we really need. Panic is the opposite of peace, isn't it? Uh, let me tell you a little story. Last month, uh, Bonnie and I, we uh, flew to Italy to see our daughter Stephanie in Rome. And, uh, of course, we had to uh, take some airplanes. And we made the mistake of booking a connecting flight out of Baltimore instead of taking a direct flight out of Philadelphia. That would have been a whole lot better choice. But we, we took that flight, and we got into JFK. And when we got there, the trains were not running. Now, I don't know if you know how vast a space that is and that, that the, you know, the different terminals are quite a bit separated. And we had to leave and go out of security and go outside and we had to hoof it to the next terminal and, uh, and then get back inside. And of course, when we, we got to the next building, we got inside and we really didn't know what we were doing because things were not well marked. There were no instructions. and. And uh, we were told to stand in this line over here. It turned out we had to go back through and check in with the airline a second time uh, because now we're going international. And so we had to take our baggage and check it through and go back through security all over again. And I have to confess, I was anything but peaceful. Finally, we got on our airplane and I discovered that the seats were not as I had expected. Now, I'm a pretty big guy. So we always try to you know, make sure that there's lots of room and we try to make it so that we're sitting pretty close together. But anyway, I, and I'm a bit claustrophobic. So all of this contributes to my nervousness as I get on an airplane. And, and uh, the seat that I had did not fit well. And all I could think of was, 
the nine hours of flight we had ahead of us and a very uncomfortable seat and we tried switching seats and then we switched back a couple of times and finally got settled in. But I was having a bit of a panic attack. You know, the anxiety, I let my anxiety get away from me and I just, I was getting all anxious and, you know, wasn't really thinking clearly and in the back of my mind I'm praying. And you know how the prayer goes when you're really anxious about something? It's, it's not one of those King James flowery prayers, is it? It's, it's a Jesus, 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 help, Jesus, 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 Jesus. You know, it's one of those kinds of things. You ever pray one of those kinds of prayers where it's just, it's not really, there's not much peace in that prayer. <laughs> that peace that passes understanding, it's passed you by for a few minutes. And, and it takes a few minutes to kind of get things under control. So finally, I get settled in and the panic begins to subside, and we had a fairly peaceful flight. It went okay after that, you know? But afterwards, I, I realized that through that experience, I had been relying on myself almost entirely, and I wasn't really relying on the one who brings me peace. I was relying on a situation to bring the peace, and the situation wasn't leading me in that direction. It was taking me in, in a different direction that morning. We all need peace in our lives. And when we don't feel that we have much control over our circumstances, we don't have that much peace, do we? It seems to escape us. In those times, we really need the peacemaker. In Isaiah chapter 9, and starting in verse 6, the prophet talks about the coming of the Messiah, very specifically about the birth of Jesus. And here's what he says. For to us a child is born, to us a child is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, just a, a few verses earlier in verse 2, he says, The people walking in the darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now, I don't know if you remember all the way back to last week, but we talked about, about Habakkuk, the prophet, and how he was living in a time that was really, really dark, and how God showed him a light in the darkness. And there's a pattern here that we see over and over in Scripture, particularly among the prophets, where, where they're often called to prophesy a lot of doom and gloom, a lot of real darkness for the people around them. And that was true of Isaiah. And uh, in this darkness, God seems to give them a break, show them a little light. And God begins to reveal his light. That's happening here. For his faithfulness in troubled times, Isaiah gets a glimpse of what's about to happen, a glimpse of the coming Messiah. He's pulled back the curtains and he's letting some light in. He's providing some peace in some pretty uncomfortable circumstances. I don't know if you know about Isaiah's life. He, he didn't have an easy life. He prophesied under four different kings during his time. And uh, at times he was even imprisoned for his words. And some people believe that it was Isaiah that they're talking about in, in Hebrews who was sawed in half 
as an execution method. Pretty nasty. So in the middle of this dark time, at this point in his book of prophecy, in chapter 9, Isaiah is in a place of great darkness. But, you know, not even the darkness can keep the light out. God's light shines no matter what. Not even a dark situation can keep God from penetrating through. And so God reveals to Isaiah the coming birth of a very special child. And, and he's a child of four names. Some people say five names. They divide wonderful from counselor. But he's called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, at Christmas time, we often use that expression, right? We talk about Jesus as the Prince of Peace. This is where it comes from. It's from Isaiah 9 and verse 6. In the Christmas story, when the angels show up and they appear to the shepherds, we lit this candle this morning, the good news that they bring also involves peace, doesn't it? Their message, at the end of their message, this this foretelling of the birth of the Messiah who has finally come. It says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This announcement is a big deal. This is the Messiah they waited for for 1,200 years since that very first prophecy that you find in Samuel. And again, there's a promise of peace here. The Greek says, on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Men here means humans, not the smelly guys in the room, okay? So everybody's included. All humanity is included. This is a promise of peace for everybody. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And the angels bring a promise of peace. So what does it mean that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and that through him there is a promise of peace, what does that mean? This this Prince of Peace lives inside of us. We've come to know Christ. And the Prince of Peace is living in us. Well, I, I think that peace means three kinds of peace or three things about peace. First of all, I think it means peace in life. I think it means peace in death. And I think it means peace in eternity. Let me explain what I mean. The first kind of peace that Jesus offers us when he's offering us peace is peace between us and God. His role as the Prince of Peace is the same role as the role of Savior. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. I like going back to the book of Genesis, and in Genesis chapter 1, there is this beautiful creation story, the beauty of creation. In Genesis chapter 2, we have this beautiful story, the, the blessing of relationships, humans walking in the garden with God and having direct fellowship with him. And living in a paradise where every need is cared for and where they are beginning to assume a role of caring for every living thing. There's this 
relationship thing going on. But then there is Genesis 3, and we have the curse and the fall, and first humans, Adam and Eve, are expelled from paradise because of their disobedience and their first sin. That places all of us in a very precarious position. That places every human in an antagonistic relationship with God from birth. Through our first parents, sin became part of our DNA, or at least the magnetic attraction part of that. And because of sin, with God there is no peace. There is no peace. Our sin nature is in a struggle for independence. We are at war with God. What God calls us to do, our sin nature calls us to disobey. There is this antagonistic relationship. And consciously or not, we are constantly resisting God and his will. But then we step to the promise of Advent. We step to the promise of Christmas. The Messiah came. And through Jesus, God's only son, the Savior, we can have peace with God in life. I don't know what your personal experience was like, but my coming to faith in Christ was pretty dramatic. It changed my life in some pretty heavy ways, and in other ways it, it took a while on the journey before those things changed that needed to change. But when we come to faith in Christ and we turn from our sins and we receive him as Lord and Savior, that sin that keeps us from having relationship with God, that sin is dealt with. Jesus deals with it. Jesus came as a baby at Christmas, but his mission was to die on a cross for us 33 years later at Easter. When we receive Jesus into our lives, it's because our sin is forgiven, the war with God is over. And Jesus is the only reason at all that we can live peacefully with God. You know, I think of a peace situation right now. I'm sure all of you or a lot of you are praying for the country of Ukraine. You know, it, it seems to come to mind every day, and it's in the news every day. It's right there, and, and I hope you're praying for them. Many people all over the world are praying for peace in Ukraine. But I think we all recognize that a change of heart is needed for that peace to come. We need to pray for a change of heart in, in Mr. Putin and in the others who are there with the power who could put a stop to this war. We need to pray for a change of heart. And coincidentally, that's just what Jesus does. Jesus is in the changing hearts business. You know, when Jesus gets a hold of a man's heart, radical world-changing things can happen. Sometimes the Prince of Peace provides peace with others when he gets a hold of a heart. In my first year in college, uh, in my first year class, there was a man named Larry. And uh, Larry was a competitive bodybuilder. And uh, he, was, he was built. He was, I don't know, 6'3", 6'4", and he was out to here and, you know, 
Looked like he could break you with one finger. He just had that kind of look to him. Before Jesus, he had been a leg breaker. He had been an enforcer for the mob. And he was especially good at debt collecting for loan sharks. I think all they had to do was take one look at Larry and you paid your debts, you know? He was pretty effective. But then Jesus got a hold of Larry's heart. And that formerly violent man became a peacemaker. And he used to be vicious, but now Larry's a teddy bear. <laughs> he has peace in his life through the peace of Christ. And we can have peace in life through the peace of Christ. But we also can have peace in death. Now, here's what I mean by that. The Prince of Peace can provide peace in death. According to uh, psychologists, fear of death ranks only second to loneliness. It's up there. Public speaking is up there, and clowns. Clowns are up there, you know, they're up there. Psychology Today says that uh, both non-believers and very religious people have a lower fear of death. Now, non-believers, because they've rationalized and dealt with it in that way, and serious believers, because we have confidence in a particular direction, don't we? But moderate believers, it says, fear death more. The magazine speculates that maybe it's because they don't have any strong convictions about the afterlife. They're in that funny middle ground where there's no real security. They also did a study involving skydivers. I like anything to do with skydivers. And, and uh, there's, did this study talking or having them talk about their feelings about death. Well, beginning skydivers with only one jump, they were quite scared of, of death. And that seems to be natural, doesn't it? Intermediate skydivers with an average of 90 jumps were a lot less scared of death. But here's the interesting part. Expert skydivers who had jumped more than 700 times were more scared of death than anyone. Now, that doesn't seem to make sense. But the psychologists figured out that there is kind of a learning curve that getting a lot of experience at risking death can make you aware that you really can't cheat death after all. There's a sobering awareness that comes with that. It's pretty natural that we all fear death. Uh, we try to normalize death. We say death is natural. It's part of the circle of life. We could all sing that song. But it's actually something quite unnatural. We were created by God to live forever. We were created with that capacity. And then sin came into the world and introduced death and dying. And death and dying became a natural outcome of our sin, but an unnatural thing that we face in life. I've always been a, a, a real fan of the Welsh poet Dylan Thomas. Uh, his famous poem that says, Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at the close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. A lot of people have that attitude. But that poem's about regrets for things that were unlived. In Jesus, 
we have no fear of death or things unfinished. We don't desire it. But Jesus died on a cross to defeat the laws of sin and death. Amen? One writer I read just the other day, uh, Julie Kamari, she said, Jesus defeated death from the inside out. I like that. I think that's a good way of putting it. The wages of sin is death, but since Jesus never sinned, death could not hold him. Death was not his end. And because Jesus defeated death, death will not hold us. There is life beyond death. In spite of my little panic attack on the airplane, um, I know that God's peace exists. And I know that there is comfort there through the Holy Spirit, even in death. Six years ago this week that I had heart surgery, um, and I can't say that I didn't have fear because that would be a lie. I'd be kind of an idiot for saying that. Everybody has fear in those situations. But fear can be healthy too. And I can't say that I didn't have pain or discomfort during recovery. I had all of those things. But I did have peace throughout most of it. I distinctly remember not being afraid of dying. I felt God had this, that things were going to be okay no matter what happened. I remember having a, distinctly the night before my surgery, having this conversation with myself in my head, you know, talking about, thinking about, you know, doing this inner dialogue about, you know, living or dying. You know, what happens if this goes okay? What happens if this doesn't go okay and, and I die? I believed I would live through it, but if I didn't, I knew that God had that too. We already had that covered. And I had peace about what was going to happen. And I had peace about what the outcome would be. But I also knew that an awful lot of people were praying for me. In fact, a lot of you were praying for me at that time when I went through that. Prayer can lend peace to others. And prayer can bring peace to ourselves because of that relationship that we have with God where we can now communicate with him, where we can talk to him. Receiving Jesus restores that fellowship with God. Without it, I often wonder where we'd be. How would we get by? How would we survive some of those really huge challenges in life if we weren't able to talk to God about it? Jesus the Prince of Peace can give us peace, a peace from God that is a supernatural peace that passes understanding. It doesn't make any sense sometimes, but that peace is there. And we can have peace with death because death has been defeated. The Prince of Peace has provided peace even in death. But that peace extends beyond death to eternity, doesn't it? That's the great promise. The Apostle Paul suggested to the Corinthian church that for a believer to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's 2 Corinthians 5.8. In fact, he, he said, 
We are confident. This is what the Greek says. We are confident about this. I say and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Some days I feel like that too. I'm sure some of you do too. You know, there are days where you just feel like, oh, I would love to be home with the Lord right now. Those really, really challenging days, those really dark days. But we have been given assignments by Christ. We have been given missions to accomplish, and it's his timing. It's him who will decide when that's going to happen. We know that Christ has provided peace for eternity beyond this world that we now live in. And we have confidence that there is something beyond this world. And we believe that we will live forever with Christ. Romans 6, 8, and 9 says, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. And death no longer has mastery over him. Because of Jesus Christ, death no longer has mastery over us too. The wages of sin may be death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I mentioned last week that I went exploring at Old Rome with uh, one, of the, at one of the oldest churches in Rome, built about the 4th century, around the time when persecution ended in Rome. And uh, there were many, many old gravestones and markings there. And, and one of the things I noticed was that pagan graves often had portraits of those who had died on them and, and were surrounded by you know, their pagan beliefs. So they had surrounded themselves with these pagan gods. Pretty elaborate stuff. But the Christian graves were more simple. And you knew when it was a Christian, you'd see a symbol of a dove carved there for both peace and the Holy Spirit. And you'd see this word in Latin, if you look to the very bottom of this, this carving, it says pas, P-A-C-E. That's the equivalent of the Roman pax. You've heard of the pax romana, the peace of Rome? And the simple last word was peace. And I saw that several times. Their hope and their peace was not with partying pagan gods. And it wasn't in preserving their legacy in a portrait. But their hope was in the peace of Christ Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Like them, we have our place of hope. And our place of hope is in the same place. We hope in the Prince of Peace for life, for death, and for all eternity. I've often shared this passage at funerals, but it applies everywhere. As Jesus was talking with his disciples at the Last Supper and he's preparing them for his own death, he tells them this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I do not give it to you as the world gives. 
So do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Jesus, we seek your peace in life, in death, and for all eternity. We trust you, and we believe in the peace that you have achieved forever between us and the Father because you put our sins to death when you defeated the laws of sin and death on the cross. In you we live, and in you we have peace, now and forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.